0: Do you want to discover more joy, peace, and freedom with food exercising your body? Here we bring a compassionate, holistic, and sustainable approach to fitness so you can fully enjoy the life you want and express your unique self with the world. I'm Michelle Roscoe, and I wanna help you find fitness freedom. I'm so glad you're here. How to drastically improve your mental health with fitness. I'm going to get really personal here. And if you are easily triggered by talk about mental health, this might not be the episode for you, or at least you could skip through the first few minutes until I give you some pointers that will help you. But about two years ago, I was having breakdowns in the morning, in the mornings, and they were getting more frequent. So I would wake up, I'd go to my office desk in the kitchen nook where I lived at the time, I would open my laptop and just start uncontrollably weeping. I didn't know what was happening. It was frightening. And they were getting worse and worse. I knew I needed outside help because I was no stranger to therapy. So I found a therapist and I was diagnosed with GAD or generalized anxiety disorder And it was helpful because it made so much sense. And thankfully, I improved working with my therapist and using some skills. I know I've struggled with mental health issues throughout my life. Depression has been a familiar presence in my life. It comes over my body once in a while like a heavy, dark force. And being able to identify it now, I know I felt depressed as early as my teenage years. And I think I started feeling anxious as a three-year-old. We moved as a family from Germany to the USA and that was the first time I remember saying goodbye to people I cared about without understanding why we had to leave or what was happening. I remember being super attached to dolls or toys I'd carry around with me everywhere and I started biting my nails, something that I still do sometimes, admittedly. I've also struggled with disordered eating I was diagnosed with anorexia nervosa in my late teens, but it started from the age of 16. I have had suicidal ideation, and suicide is something I've lost family members to. I've been addicted to cigarettes, even maybe alcohol at some points in my life. Yeah, in short, I'm no stranger to mental health struggles. And maybe you can identify with this as well. There's a reason you clicked on this and you're listening to this right now, whether for yourself or for someone else. I have done so much internal work to come to a place now where I accept myself. I am consistent with my healthy habits. I seek to know and meet my own needs. And I work as a health and fitness coach where I support people in their own health and fitness, but Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I honestly wake up not wanting to do anything. Sometimes I experience anxiously um, intrusive thoughts that feel so real. Sometimes even as much space and kindness and meditation, nature, nutritious foods, exercise, therapy, all the good stuff I give to myself, it can be challenging. And sometimes I get frustrated with myself wishing I could and would do more and I didn't have to deal with this. If you have ever struggled with mental health issues, you understand, and I want to send you empathy, I want to send you understanding, and I want to send you love. And I want to share with you some insight on what I've learned as a health and fitness coach who struggles with mental health issues, who've, who's changed so much about my life from where I came from in regards to religion and queerness and my identities and my beliefs and the people I surround myself with in case they can help you too in your own health journey. So here are three lessons I've learned and under each lesson or whatever you want to call it, if lesson is too heavy a word, you can switch it out, you can call it uh, <laughs> anything you want <laughs> and what you can do to implement them into your life. All right, so I'm going to start with number one number one lesson I've learned is the worst enemy is not reality, but my mind's perception of reality. My brain is so powerful and I don't always have to believe it. See, anxiety and depression mental health issues, they fill your mind with thoughts that you're not good enough. The worst will happen. Nobody cares. You can't figure it out, but they're not right. And you don't have to believe them. The most, one of the most empowering Things I realize is I don't have to believe all of my thoughts. And the best antidote to these cool thoughts, you know what it is? It's awareness. Just being aware. You don't have to agree with the thoughts. You don't even have to disagree. You don't have to do anything with them except be aware. Because holding awareness for your thoughts and what's coming up for you automatically separates yourself from them once you see them. You no longer have to identify with them. It's like a light. Once you turn it on, you can see what's really there. That's what awareness is. So if you want to challenge those thoughts, if you want to even just hold space for them or not feel like they control you, awareness is your best friend. And here are three things that have helped me cultivate greater awareness in my own life. I'm going to emphasize the third one. Number one, outside help outside help from therapists coaches books podcasts good information out there people who have helped me personally others perspectives and voices help me see what i can't and i do want to say a note on coach coaching and what it can do for you in regards to your health and your fitness i am not a therapist But I know from experience that coaching can help you as it has helped my clients to see outside of yourself because you don't know what you don't know. And having someone who knows what they're talking about, who can give you expert guidance and encouragement and support on what you're dealing with when it comes to your food, your exercise, your health is invaluable. It's not something you can just learn from reading or listening to something Someone applying things to you. Number two, journaling and voice notes. And I'm adding voice notes because not everyone wants to write, and that's okay. Hearing or reading, seeing your thoughts externally literally distances yourself from them. So if you feel like you're feeling full to the brim, writing things down, expressing them on a voice note, and then listening back to them or reading back will give you clarity. And I have heard recently from a book that i was listening to that one of the habits of the most self-aware i guess successful people is that they regularly journal people who accomplish the goals that they set out to do regularly journal because it helps keep you on track okay so journaling voice notes number three meditation practice and i put practice because it's not a one and done it's not like oh i meditated i'm good It's a practice, it's a practice. And not even just like weekly or daily, it's moment by moment, hour by hour. So every day I make time to be in stillness and silence, even if it's uncomfortable and even if it's a really short time, I guard this with my life. The value in meditating is in noticing how busy your mind is. The goal is not to stop your brain or to try to control your thoughts, no, 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 no. It's about becoming more aware. And how do you become more aware? You stop. You fucking stop. You gotta stop. You gotta stop from the busyness of life. You gotta embrace some stillness. And when you practice enough, you'll get to the point of being able to shift from your brain to your heart. So you'll start to sit back, notice your thoughts, and just be like, oh, yeah, that's my brain doing its thing. And when you can separate yourself from your brain and kind of shift, there's a shift that you can notice when you practice this enough, going from your brain to your heart, and that is where you connect with your deepest self, that is where you get your energy, that is where you get your life. And the more you regularly practice it, the easier it gets. But keep in mind, meditation and doing this work of awareness is like learning a new language. At first, it feels uh, uncomfortable, it feels confusing, it feels like you're not doing it right, you feel kind of stupid, you don't know if it's working, and that is normal. My invitation to you, if you struggle with mental health issues, one of the best things you can do is start a meditation practice. And if you don't like the word meditation, switch it out for something else. A stillness uh, symphony or (laughs) um, uh, a down discovery. I don't know. Whatever you feel is right for you. You can make up your own word. Whatever makes you have more positive associations, do it. Just start with just a minute a day and guard that time with your life. Increase it over time. You'll notice that when you get into it, it feels good and you'll actually enjoy it. So number one, the worst enemy is not reality, but your mind's perception of reality and awareness is the best antidote for that. Number two, this is the next lesson I've learned and what you can do to help in your own life. I cannot feel safe in the world until I feel safe in my body. A few years ago, was it a few years ago? Maybe it was a decade ago, and it's still popular. The Body Keeps the Score. That was a helpful book for me in understanding how our bodies are so powerful, especially as a fitness coach and someone who works with people's bodies uh, through exercise. Um, I also like to incorporate meditation in my work with food. It's all related but it's such an interesting aspect. And, you know, somatics, we're looking into trauma, we're becoming more aware of how our bodies play a part in our mental health. And it's just so intrinsically connected. You can't say that one starts here and it ends there. But this is where the nervous system comes into play. And I'm no expert in the nervous system, but I've done enough learning and practice on this that I Uh, have a basic understanding so i'm just going to break it down for you really simply and then talk about how you can use it for your advantage so we have our sympathetic nervous nervous system which is our fight flight freeze or fawn system and we go here when we're stressed and if we are chronically stressed uh, that activation damages our health we will have trouble sleeping we'll feel chronically activated or on like um this kind of intense feeling in your body It might feel like excitement, it might feel like activation, uh, and it's probably stress. We can't focus clearly in this state. Uh, Our parasympathetic nervous system, on the other hand, is a calming system. And we enter here when we feel safe. Think about maybe when you feel calm uh, around someone that you really feel safe around, or maybe before bed, when you're getting into sleep state you feel that activation there or when you're meditating or you're de- maybe you're doing some yoga, maybe you're watching something that just fills your soul up and, and you just feel really calm inside and safe. And certain thoughts alone can activate our sympathetic nervous system and send us into a stress state. It's kind of like a, a trigger. Some things can trigger it. And if we have the habit of going into that system often, it's easier to get in there. But the more you practice getting into that parasympathetic nervous system, you learn how to do it a little bit more on command. And uh, this little secret here is one of the best ways to activate that parasympathetic nervous system or get into it is through your breath. It's so amazing. Our breath is something that we don't both don't control and we do control. So we do it subconsciously through the automatic nervous system, the parts of our, our, our body that controls our heart rate, our organs, just things we don't think about. We don't have to consciously think about breathing, but we can also reverse, reverse the order by consciously thinking of our breath, and then it can activate our parasympathetic nervous system. So the more I've practiced feeling safe in my body, the more I can activate that parasympathetic nervous system. How do you do that? Breaths definitely help, but I want to warn you that it takes a lot of time and practice, especially. If you have a lot of stored trauma in your body, if you have a lot of fear, um, if you feel like maybe your depression is pretty heavy or your anxiety is pretty heavy, depending on what you personally deal with, it can take a lot of time and practice. Your body has learned and memorized certain states over days, months, years, even decades. So it's going to take... Days, months, years, and even decades to move away from that. Think about it. If you started feeling anxious as a kid, or there were some unsafe environments where you couldn't, didn't know how to handle those situations in your body as a child, you've lived with that for how long? 15, 25, 35 years, 45 years, 55. I don't know how old you are. You can do the math, (laughs) but it's going to take time. It doesn't have to take that long, but uh, you've ha- you have to spend time with your body and teaching it that it is safe. That's, that's what you're really doing. So in order for me to feel safer in my body, I've had to spend time showing my body that it is safe. <laughs> it's so incredible. I've spent hours, and I mean hours, just lying in bed, listening to guided meditations, just breathing. I've regularly practiced deep breathing techniques to activate my parasympathetic nervous system, I've also listened to hundreds of books, podcasts, recordings with words that challenge my fearful beliefs and show me new ways of thinking. So, you have to take yourself out of that old state into a new state. And it takes work, it takes practice, it takes time. Some things that I do is um, I hold my heart and I take a deep breath to center myself. Sometimes I even put it on a loved one's heart to connect with them and into their breath. Um, And it does take work, but the work has paid off in multiples of peace, joy, calm, clarity, kindness, love. And because I've spent so much time and energy on myself and with myself, I can better trust myself. So I know what it feels like to be activated and I know what it feels like to be in flow. And it's so much easier for me to enter those higher states much faster than it used to be because I practiced it. I taught my body what to do and what it feels like to be safe. So number three, last one. This is the most fitnessy one. Your physical body is intrinsically tied to your brain and your emotions. If you want to work on your mental health, you have to. And I mean, it is imperative. There's no way out of it to address your body. You can sit in therapy and therapy is wonderful. It's amazing. It's changed my life. It's even saved my life. Therapy is incredible, but it goes beyond just sitting in your brain. You have to feel safe in uh, your nervous system by practicing meditation, stillness, getting in touch with you, get yourself, but you also have to do it in how you sleep, how you eat, how you move. I'm going to go over each of these, sleep, eat, and move, and I'm going to give the least attention to sleep here. Uh, your sleep is tied to your mental health. Being sleep deprived severely hinders your cognitive function and messes with your mood. We know that. So getting enough sleep, which I know is challenging when you are dealing with mental health issues. But like I said, everything is tied together. So when you work on these other things, even if sleep is the last one to get there, it will get there. Okay, number two, you're eating. Your gut is your second brain. It's woven with your head your head brain, you know, the one that we think of in your school via the vagus nerve and it is inseparable. So think of threads on a t-shirt or uh, let's see, like those rubber band balls. If you could think of that image, it's just tied. You can't, you can't pluck the the nerves off of your organs. They're just all meshed together. So what you eat 100% majorly impacts your mental health studies have even shown that simply changing one's diet can have exponentially positive results for mental health issues and even undo many of the symptoms of depression and anxiety so what is important to focus on to avoid i'm going to give you some tips these are very cursory i'm not going into details here If you would like to get more information, you could message me, email me. I'll be happy to share some resources or give you some help personally. Sugar is one of the worst things you can consume if you struggle with mental health. And that is really difficult when you do struggle with mental health, because sugar can be a mood booster. Sugar mimics the way that it messes with our, our blood sugar levels. Sugar mimics uh, depression and vice versa. So a lot of the times, sugar can be a major cause of symptoms that mimic depression. Uh, And eating healthy fats is one of the best ways you can support your brain. Your brain loves healthy fats. Uh, Eating fermented foods is the equivalent of saying I love you to your gut. (laughs) Your gut loves fermented foods like like sauerkraut, kimchi, kombucha, probiotics, like yogurt with probiotics. So opting for less processed food sounds boring. And I already said this, like the last thing you want to do when you want a mood boost from depression or a distraction from anxiety. But I want to tell you, your brain is probably saying, all right, I got to give up all this stuff. I can't do that. Or I got to eat all this healthy food. Oh, that sounds so boring. But i want to assure you, you don't have to give up anything completely, or you don't even have to drastically change your diet to see positive results. So that's exciting. That's freeing. You don't have to, you know, do a complete 180. And often that perfectionist all or nothing thinking might make you think that you have to do that. And then you'll revamp everything. And then you realize it's unsustainable and you didn't give yourself enough time and it causes that stress. So actually don't encourage you to do that 100% change. Instead, try doing a little bit at a time. So try adding more whole foods. Um, Instead of trying to give up, you know, that maybe that fast food meal that you get or that Uh, thing that you know is not healthy for you, try just adding more whole foods. Maybe add some vegetables to your next meal, some lean proteins, maybe some plant-based proteins, Uh, adding some nuts, healthy nuts, a handful of nuts to your day. Even that can have a great, a big difference. Try adding a chamomile tea, which is known to help anxiety, or kombucha. I love kombucha. You might not like it, but try to find a flavor you like or some fermented foods instead of trying to give up all your caffeine and sodas. And by the way, caffeine is not bad for you in your mental health. It's just a matter of moderation. Um, and sodas, even diet sodas have shown, and it's out for debate, but side note, they have been shown to even maybe exacerbate mental health issues um, as just a little tidbit there. But I'm going to move on to exercise. Okay, exercise, exercise, exercise. Oh, As a fitness coach, I am, of course, a big proponent of exercise. And you might think that because I'm a fitness coach or people who do exercise, just like always want to exercise and they're always in the mood for it. But it's not the case. (laughs) It's not the case. Let me me give you some tips here. Exercise is proven over and over again to help with mental health. It definitely diminishes the effects of uh, depression and anxiety. It boosts your mood. It gives you confidence, helps cognitive function, enhances blood flow. It gives you energy. And of course, when you are feeling depressed or anxious or dealing with mental health issues, a lot of times you don't want to do anything. You really, 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 really don't want to do anything. And exercise can seem daunting. So I just want to encourage you just like with the food, you don't have to go join a gym and start exercising there for an hour every day. You don't have to become a gym bro. You don't have to, uh, start doing a CrossFit. You could just take a short walk. It's better than nothing. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Uh, maybe you're beyond a short walk and maybe you're used to taking walks, but you want to go to the next level. Try adding some strength training to your regimen. Try adding some mobility, like some f- flexibility and stretching. Uh, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Exercise has been one of my favorite healers in my mental health having a routine of movement has helped me so much, even when I don't feel like it. And I'm so grateful for the way that it's helped me throughout my life. I honestly have said this, I've said this before, but I honestly don't know where I'd be if I didn't have exercise. I don't even know if I'd be here. Uh, That's how helpful it's been in my journey. And just having that structure, where I wake up, I move, and uh, my body, and I get those endorphins i regularly take care of myself so i have energy i have the strength it builds my confidence as well and one of the important things here with food and with exercise and with meditation is that you need structure mental health requires space you need space to let things out but you also need structure and when you can create steady routines even if they're small around eating and exercise and your meditating practice or whatever you call it You can give yourself a sense of safety and you can have these habits that really support your mental health and your life and if you want support in that um, please reach out to me it's one of the favorite one of my favorite things that i work with with my clients is having those habits it's all about starting with your mindset creating new habits and from there living that happy healthy life so the bottom line for this whole episode this whole mental health and fitness is that change is hard. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. Change is hard, but the more you do just a little bit, the easier it becomes and the results exponentially expand. And it has that snowball domino effect where you do a little bit, you see the results, which encourages you to do more, but you've got to stick with it long enough to be able to see those positive results. You have to be patient. You have to want it. You you have to want to feel good. You have to be so sick of feeling shitty that you'll do whatever it takes to feel better. And not in an unhealthy way, but in a healthy way. Once in a way that lasts, in a way that really gives you that peace. Because the truth is, my friend, you deserve to feel good. You deserve to feel good. You deserve to be happy in your life. You deserve to live a full life. You deserve everything you desire. You deserve to do all the things in life that you dream of. You deserve to have every good thing. And that's where I want to leave you. If this was helpful for you, please leave a review for the podcast, a positive review. You can also share your thoughts with me on Instagram or Facebook, find me at Michelle Lynn Roscoe, my full name, or you can email me at michelle at mlroscoe.com. I'm putting that in the show notes. And if you would like a little bit more practical, uh, structured way to improve your self-care and feel better, uh, get my free self-care masterclass in the show notes. It's about 30 Minutes long. Actually, I don't remember. I, could, I don't want to lie to you. I don't remember off the top of my head. It's a it's this concise, organized way of helping you implement some more self care into your life. Why it's important. Why why people struggle with it, and what you can do, and the most important things to focus on, with some strategies and tips to help you actually do it. Um, so you can go in the show notes. And I always love to hear from you, your feedback. Uh, let me know. And I'm sending so much love for you. Remember, you deserve every good thing. So